Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, an Easter season message from Philip de Corsi. On the cross, he dies, yields up his soul into the presence of the Father. It is finished, paid for, complete. I've given my life as the full and final sacrifice for sin. And God says, yes, you have. And he demonstrates it by tearing the curtain. And we go from access denied to access granted. That's the wonder of the gospel and the beauty of Easter. probably all been denied access to somewhere, whether it was a special airport lounge, VIP seating at a concert, or the office of a powerful politician or CEO. But did you know that Jesus' death on the cross gained you unlimited, unrestricted access to God's throne of grace? That's our subject today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Philip is delivering a special Easter message titled, Access Granted. Because Jesus laid down his life for us, there is no more separation between sinful man and God. Here's Philip. I don't know if you've noticed, I'm sure you have, that we live in a world of access codes, security measures, digital barriers, restricted use. We need ID cards to get into some buildings. We need thumbprints to open our smartphones. We need passwords to retrieve files from our computers. We need PIN numbers to get money from the ATM at our bank or charge our groceries at the store. Some of us even have to enter codes as we go to visit friends or family because they live in a gated community and you need a code to access where they live. So life is rife with restrictions, limitations, limited access. And as I think about that, the same is true spiritually. We see it in the Old Testament up until the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of man's sin, because of man's disobedience, man has been barred from direct access to God's immediate presence. And that's just written all over the Old Testament. In fact, this is reinforced in the furniture and the structure of the tabernacle and the temple. Because written all over the temple and the tabernacle are the words, inaccessibility to God. Because there are all kinds of courts you had to go through, and those courts were limited to certain people. There was the Gentile court, the women's court, the man's court. Then there was the holy place that was restricted 
to the use of priests. Then there was the Holy of Holies that was restricted to the use of the high priest and only once a year. And here's what's interesting. If you go to Exodus 25, 18 to 22, and Exodus 23, verse 31, on the temple curtain or the veil that cordoned off the Holy of Holies, embroidered on it were cherubims sending the message that because of man's sin and disobedience and lawlessness, access has been denied. And so I want to come to Mark chapter 15 and verse 38, because when you understand that a little, and we're going to get into that a bit more, you'll see the significance of the words, then the veil, that curtain that cordoned off the Holy of Holies, that veil with the cherubim on it, reminding us that we're separated from God and dare not enter His presence, that veil was torn the moment Jesus died on the cross. A message was being sent. God was communicating, this is the beautiful thing, access granted. That's what Good Friday's all about. Access to God has been granted. You can know God. You can call Him your Father. You can talk to Him. You can be in His presence and have His presence in you. So let's come and look at this text. Three things quickly. Number one, what I call the splendor of the veil. Then we'll look at the symbolism of the veil and the splitting of the veil. Let's look at the splendor of the veil first of all. Let's paint in a little bit of background because when you paint in the background, verse 38 comes alive. The veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Well, let's understand what that veil would have roughly looked like. It was a splendid thing. Since we're talking about the temple, let's just go to 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 14. I'll read it for you if you want to follow along. But in describing what that veil ought to look like, we read that the veil is to be blue, purple, crimson, and made of fine linen, and woven cherubim into it. Because remember, what's its message? Access denied. You can't come into God's presence. You're a sinner. And as we read the Bible, and as we study history, there's other things that we learn about this veil, just speaking about its splendor. I'll go down the list quickly, and then we'll move on. As we've said, it's blue, purple, and scarlet in color, ladies. It's embroidered with cherubim, It was made of a fabric that was beautifully embroidered, and we're told there were 72 twisted plaits of 24 threads each. The size of it, we believe, was about 60 foot high and 30 foot wide. Jewish literature tells us it was at least one inch thick. Some even argue it could be a hand's breadth up to four inches thick. And I believe the Mishnah tells us that it took 300 priests to wash it. You can imagine how beautiful, splendid, attractive, eye-catching this veil would have been. So that's the splendor of the veil. Number two, the symbolism of the veil. I like what Mike McKinley says in a book on the Passion. Listen to these words. If you were a normal Israelite, you could never come closer to God's presence than the outer courtyard of the tabernacle. If you were a priest and you were lucky, you could enter into the holy place, the area around the most holy place, for one week out of your life. But even as a priest, just one week 
Remember, there were a whole bunch of Levitical priests, and they would rotate in and out. And if you were lucky, you got assigned to the holy place one week of your year. But even as a priest, just one week, you were still separated by the curtain. Only if you were named the high priest for a year could you spend a few amazing minutes in your whole life in God's presence on earth. See, we don't get this. And as Gentiles and those who are so used to the gospel, we don't get the significance, we don't get the jaw-dropping implication of Mark 15, 38, and the veil was torn. You've got to understand what that meant to Judaism. You've got to understand the significance of it for the gospel. But the message that's being conveyed is the holiness of God, that sin separates us from God, and that to enter into God's presence, that must be mediated by someone else. That's what the veil is communicating. That's the symbolism and the significance of the veil. No entry into God's presence but by blood sacrifice. <laughs> and in that day, it was just one man. Hello, to lighten things up a little bit, I do like the story. I came across a real story about a funny sign that appeared, a real sign but funny, on the grounds of a convent. The sign said, trespassers will be prosecuted, and underneath were the words, sisters of mercy. <laughs> well, there was no mercy to a large degree if you'd have tried to approach the Holy of Holies. In fact, the Bible doesn't tell us, but Judaism tells us this, that when the high priest went in to the Holy of Holies, they tied a rope around his ankle in case he muffed up and died on the spot. Nobody else could go in, so the only way to get him out was to drag him out with the rope. Trespassers prosecuted. So that's come to our last thoughts. Beautiful. The splitting of the veal. This is where we're at in Mark 15, 38. Given that background, now you turn to this statement and you see its symbolism and you see its significance. This is prime time drama. And the veil was torn from top to bottom. Now, some argue that it was torn by the earthquake. Again, there's remember the other miracles, the darkness, the earthquake, the raising of the dead. Some commentators argue perhaps the earthquake, maybe with an accompanying wind, tore the veil. I'm not buying. Because I think if you've got an earthquake and maybe a storm or wind, if something's going to tear, which is possible, I get the thought, but you know, typically earthquakes and wind don't tear things right down the middle in one go. Like some of our American flags that have been, you know, beaten by the wind, they're tattered in a few different places and we should renew them. But to get the point, this one was torn from top to bottom. I think the fact from top to bottom seems to be implied as if the hand reached down from heaven and tore the thing top to bottom, 60 foot by 30. That split the difference two inches thick, beautifully embroidered with the cherubim sending the message no access. God just tears it in half. Plus, it's in the aorist tense, which by implication in the Greek would mean it was a single occurrence. And again, it's like this divine act. Boom, it's open. So for a few minutes as we close, what's the implication? Well, I've kind of given the game away pretty much along the way, but we'll come back to it. I think the fundamental implication is that there's a new and complete access into God's presence. 
But we'll come back to that in a moment. I think there are other things worth at least noting. I'll just kind of run down them. You can think them out, do some studying. Some have argued it's heaven's outcry of grief. It's as if heaven is saying, it has had to come to this where the Son has had to die for sinners. Because you know in the Old Testament, people tore their clothes as a sign of grief. Is it kind of heaven's grief at the suffering of the Son of God on our behalf? Not a bad thought. Certainly, some argue that it was a judgment on Israel. The curtain was torn, access granted, the point of the temple has come to an end. Jesus told us He was going, the temple would be destroyed because of the sin, especially of the Jewish leadership and their hatred for Christ and handing Him over to the Romans. We see this could be an act of judgment. Certainly, it's the announcement of the end of the old covenant and the sacrificial system, which tells us it was only a temporary covering until that one final and full sacrifice was made for sin forever. I think it preaches the acceptance of Jesus' sacrifice because it comes immediately after the darkness, the dereliction, the giving up of His life for us, Him commending His soul into the hands of God, the earthquake, the bodies being raised, the temple torn, Jesus' sacrifice has indeed ended the sacrificial system. The old covenant is over, and Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. I think just by way of other application, I think it would remind us as New Testament Christians who are called by God a priesthood, that it announces the simpler and more direct aspect of New Testament worship. I have never been impressed by cathedrals. I'm sorry. It's not because I'm a klutz or a Neanderthal when it comes to culture. I've just never been impressed by them. Maybe it's also my Protestantism. I've never been one for bells and smells. Okay? And I think I'm biblical. In the Old Testament, yeah, beautiful structures. You've got priests, you've got vestments, you've got altars, you've got bells, you've got smells. But when the veil was torn, I'm reminded as a Protestant and as an evangelical believer that the New Testament saying, you know what? You're now the priest and your body is the temple and the gathering of the simplest of God's people in the heathers of Scotland or the plains of America in the most dilapidated building is beautiful to the eyes of a God who has redeemed those people and made them a kingdom of priests unto God. And also there's a turn back now within the church to certain aesthetics that's meant to promote worship. Dangerous. But that's another sermon for another day. The main point is complete access to God. As we wrap this up, I'll let the Bible speak for itself. I'll let the biblical writers explain to you the significance of the torn veil. Because over in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, what do we read? This hope we have is an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest. His body is the veil that was torn, according to the book of Hebrews. He's not only the high priest, he's the sacrifice, he's the veil. His flesh was torn. There's not access into God's presence. That's the symbolism and the significance of the splitting of the veil. Again, it's very explicit, even more explicit, I think, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter, listen, the holiest. What's the holiest? 
the Holy of Holies, God's direct presence that one man in Israel got to enjoy for a fleeting few moments on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. But now, he's writing to believers, those who even were Jewish and are tempted to go back to Judaism, and he's saying, why would you do it? Do you not understand what Jesus did? We can come into God's presence by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through His veil, that is, His flesh, having become a great high priest over the house of God. My friend, that is the implication. That's why I love Spurgeon's quote about this scene. When Jesus died on the cross, the temple veil was torn from top to bottom so that big fat sinners like me could go through. Only Spurgeon can get that. It's a great image. On the cross, he dies, yields up his soul into the presence of the Father. It is finished, paid for, done, complete. I have fulfilled all the promises and patterns of the tabernacle and the temple. I've given my life as the full and final sacrifice for sin. And God says, yes, you have. And he demonstrates it by tearing the curtain. And we go from access denied to access granted. And you don't have to go and find yourself a Levitical priest or a Roman Catholic priest. You can come straight into God's presence and pray through Jesus Christ and what He has done on your behalf and find acceptance before God. That's the wonder of the gospel and the beauty of Easter. In fact, i got to squeeze this in. Here we come full circle, and this is where we're going to land. It's a beautiful thought. Because the first person through the veil was who? It's the Roman centurion. The first person, metaphorically speaking, to come through this new access into God's presence was a hardened Roman soldier, a Gentile outside the covenant of Israel, who had himself put Jesus on the cross. But he sees all that's happening, and he says, this is the Son of God. I get it. And he was the first to come through the veil. And so, that's the wonder of this. That's the beauty of the gospel message, that there is a door into God's presence, and it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or what you've done. You can come through that veil as a big fat sinner, and God will accept you because of what His Son has done. I've made two visits to the White House in my lifetime. Very different. About a year ago, June and I were there. We were in Washington preaching, and spend a couple of days going around that beautiful city. I want to go back. So enjoyable. And we went over to the White House, and there was barriers in front of the iron-wrought fence. There was FBI agents and policemen around the barriers, between the barrier and the fence. Behind the fence was more guards. I'm sure on top of the White House there was surface-to-earth missiles. There was all kinds of things there. We weren't getting in, that was for sure. And we stood outside looking. That was my last visit, but I actually had an earlier visit many, many years ago when I was 17, I think, at the time. And through a friend, I went up to the White House gates and announced that I'd come and give them my name. I was on the register at the security hut. This was pre-9-11, as you can imagine. And 
my friend had known a friend who worked inside the White House. This woman came down, met us, and gained us access into the White House. It was Jimmy Carter at the time, and we went around the White House. We were given a package of, you know, peanut brittle and all, how to make it from, you know, whatever. True Bill, I've got the package somewhere in the house. I've signed photographs. And we go up to the Oval Office. Now, Jimmy's not there. He's somewhere else, maybe gathering peanuts. I don't know what. Probably on a foreign tour on behalf of our great nation. And there was two guys outside the Oval Office in uniform, some sidearms. Then there was two gold posts and a nice, you know, rope between them. And I said, any chance of going in? No. And after a little bit of Irish blarney, they let me literally put my foot beyond the rope and inside the White House so that I could literally say, I have stood in the Oval Office. It's a fact. I have stood in the Oval Office. And, you know, I love to tell that story, and I've rejoiced in it, and I laugh at it, and it's a great moment in my life to have actually literally put one foot in the Oval Office. But you can, I don't need to apply this, do I, for you? You know, you want to get into the Father's house? Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You want to go to heaven? You want to know God? My friend, Jesus has opened the door, torn the veil. Access has been granted. Come on in. If you'll put your faith alone in Jesus alone and what he did on the cross, you can put your faith in Christ and gain access into heaven through Jesus and come to know the God of heaven who came down and lowered the doorknob so that we've got access through Jesus Christ. Think on this idea of the veil, rent, torn, top to bottom, this splendid veil that symbolized access denied is now torn because access has been granted. We've been made near or nigh, says Ephesians, by the blood of the cross. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our time in your word that feeds us in terms of the gospel, brings us to love Jesus all the more, brings us to appreciate what he has done for us all the more. And so in these fleeting moments, on this Good Friday, as we gather to celebrate your son, as we take this bread, may we be mindful that his flesh was torn like the veil was torn. And through the broken body, through his death, through what he did on the cross, access to God has been granted. Because our sin that separates us from God was atoned for and paid for in the death of Jesus Christ. It is finished, he said, paid for in full. Oh Lord, help us not to put the veil back up. Help us not to allow a guilty conscience to drive us from Christ. We thank you the veil's been torn. We thank you that we can come through Jesus Christ and claim you to be our Father. We do that now. We give you thanks for your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Today and every day, we give thanks for our access to the Father through the Son. That's a powerful message from Philip DeCourcy here on Know the Truth. We're reflecting on the death of Jesus, knowing that his glorious resurrection makes all the difference. We're so grateful to be on the radio and the internet sharing this good news each and every day. And today, we also want to share with you the evidence for the resurrection because 1 Peter chapter 3 tells us we should always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
And now apologists Josh and Sean McDowell have put together a handy pocket-sized book that outlines the major facts about the resurrection. Anchor your faith firmly in these truths and be prepared to share the facts with others. Ask for the book titled The Resurrection and You when you make a generous donation of $20 or more. Give online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. And we always enjoy reading your mail when you write to us and send your gift that way. Our address is Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. We're so grateful for your generosity that makes this ministry possible. And we love hearing how Know the Truth is encouraging your faith, whether you're a veteran listener or you just stumbled upon our program today. And if you're brand new to Know the Truth, let me say welcome. I'd also like to invite you to reach out to us today because we have a special gift for you. It's a CD copy of today's message titled Access Granted. Listen to this message whenever you want to celebrate what God's done for you through Jesus Christ. Ask for the free CD when you call us at 888-644-8811. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, wishing you a blessed and joyous Easter. Be sure to come back next time when Philip returns to our study in the book of Ecclesiastes. That's Monday on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. to receive. Receive what? Receive this free gift of God's grace. To receive this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus purchased on the cross when he died for our sins. We have to be willing to receive forgiveness, as Lee Strobel explains on Focus on the Family Minute. And then when we receive that gift in a prayer of repentance and faith, then we become a child of God. And I think there's a lot of people out there who would agree with the resurrection evidence, would say, yep, I believe Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. I believe he rose from the dead and proved that he is the Son of God. But their life hasn't changed, and their, their values haven't changed, and their character hasn't changed, and their morality hasn't changed. Why? Because they haven't taken that next step to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior in a prayer of repentance and faith. Be willing to let God change your heart. More at FamilyMinute.org. Dr. Sebastian. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.